When you continually stuff these feelings of emotional pain, rather than putting a voice to them, your body will send you a signal that you are unhappy. Some people get headaches, while others respond with intestinal issues and ulcers. As a mental health therapist, I've seen that quite frequently. A person has physical symptoms, they go to their primary care doctor who runs tests after tests after tests after tests after tests, test, but can't find anything wrong. Thankfully, in recent years, through collaboration and discussion, medical doctors have realized and most have accepted that when a patient comes into their office with a physical ailment and they are unable to identify that underlying cause, they'll refer them to me, a mental health therapist. That's an excerpt from the show. Today, we'll be discussing masked grief. And here's the intro. Welcome to Managing My Grief, where it's all about learning to live with grief after experiencing loss. Here's your host, Miss Dilworth. I'm glad you chose to join me for this discussion on masked grief. At the end of the show, I'll have a so what to do section where I'll share ideas and strategies you can use to work through masked grief. Did you know that there are different types of grief? Death alone is challenging to grieve, but there are other losses that occur after losing companionship, such as changes in family roles, financial changes, and loss of dreams of what could be. Keep in mind that the type of grief we'll be discussing today isn't good or bad. It's a mere way for you to identify what you are experiencing. When you understand what you are experiencing, it can be used as a grounding place and it can bring normalcy to the experience, which in itself is gratifying and beneficial. Mass grief is when you are unable to recognize that your symptoms and behaviors are related to loss. Symptoms are often masked as either physical symptoms or maladaptive behaviors. I like how griefrecoverymethod.com explained it. They said, the human body is designed to be a processing center. We consume and process food to create energy and to fuel our various organs. If we consume more food than necessary, our body stores it as fat. Too much of this fat storage can have negative consequences for our overall health. Likewise, the body is designed to process our emotional experiences. If we suppress, store, and mask those emotions deep inside, this can result in negative consequences for our general health as well. There are consequences to stuffing sad emotions. When you continually stuff these feelings of emotional pain, rather than putting a voice to them, your body will send you a signal that you are unhappy. Some people get headaches, while others respond with intestinal issues and ulcers. As a mental health therapist, I've seen that quite frequently. A person has physical symptoms, they go to their primary care doctor who runs tests after tests after tests after tests after tests, but can't find anything wrong. Thankfully, in recent years, through collaboration and discussion, medical doctors have realized and most have accepted that when a patient comes into their office with a physical ailment and they are unable to identify that underlying cause, they'll refer them to me, a mental health therapist. Many of my clients have come to me via referrals from the primary care doctor because the doctor understands that those physical ailments may be the result of emotional suppression. In a previous show, I mentioned a guy named Chris. He's a senior in college. A few months before graduating, his mother died. A few weeks later, his appetite changed, and a few more weeks later, he developed an eating disorder. Fast forward to a year. Chris decides to get help from his primary care doctor 
who then referred him to a mental health therapist who specializes in eating disorders. The specialist used a behavioral approach to support Chris. The eating disorder specialist gives Chris all the tools needed to learn to live a healthier life, but realizes that the underlying cause of Chris's eating disorder are the suppressed emotions he has from his mother's death. The last time Chris showed mourning was when he cried upon entering the house for the first time after his mother passed away. The eating disorder specialist decides to refer Chris to a mental health therapist who specializes in grief. As Chris begins to work through his grief, his eating disorder symptoms worsen. Thankfully, he remembers the skills he learned while receiving eating disorder services and was able to utilize those same skills during his grief healing process. As Chris finishes his grief therapy, he looks back at his progress. Chris went from consistently engaging and repressing his emotions and engaging in unhealthy eating patterns to now not only identifying his emotions when they arise, but expressing them consistently in a healthy way and engaging in healthy eating habits more frequently. He realizes that certain times of the year are triggers for his grief and unhealthy eating patterns to return. When they do return, the symptoms are mild and only last a few days, maybe a week at the most. Although Chris's story may sound easy to some, his journey was extremely difficult. He developed an eating disorder as a result of suppressing his emotions after his mother's death. Now, does everyone's mass grief look like Chris's? No, of course not. But it is important for you to realize that suppressing emotions can impact you mentally and physically. So what to do? Because mass grief causes you to not recognize that a physical ailment is related to an unaddressed grief, it's most beneficial to receive professional help. A mental health therapist can shed light on areas, roadblocks, and triggers that are unknown to you. To locate a mental health therapist near you, go to psychologytoday.com. Although majority insurances cover some of the costs for mental health services, I do understand that some people are still unable to afford professional help or have had bad experiences. There are books, podcasts, YouTube channels, and many more resources that teach mindfulness. The definition of mindfulness is the quality or state of being conscious or aware of something. A mental state achieved by focusing one's awareness on the present moment while calmly acknowledging and accepting one's feelings. I'm going to repeat that again. While calmly acknowledging and accepting one's feelings, thoughts, and bodily sensations. Now that you've heard the definition of mindfulness, does it make sense how it counteracts masked grief? Masked grief hides while mindfulness reveals. That was cool, so I'm going to say that again. Masked grief hides while mindfulness reveals. The last nugget of information I'll share is a quote. I believe John W. James said it. It goes like this. We're taught how to acquire things, not what to do when we lose them. That needs to be said again. We're taught how to acquire things, not what to do when we lose them. While going through your grieving process, remind yourself that you're doing the best that you can. This is the first time you've experienced this, so you won't have the right answers all the time. And that's okay. Don't pressure yourself to quote unquote, get over the loss. Don't get frustrated with yourself if you didn't engage in mindfulness or handle your emotions perfectly. Instead, 
remind yourself that things like this aren't taught to most people. And all you can do is learn from your past and do your best to make better decisions in the future. If that means posting sticky notes in your bathroom to remind you to do an emotional self-check-in or to use a specific coping skill for that day, then do it. Find ways to remind yourself of the things you've learned so you can become a better version of you. I hope this information was helpful. If you want to connect with me, please reach out to me at MissDirth.com. To learn more about grief, click on another show. To attend a grief workshop, go to ManagingMyGrief.net. Have a productive day and live in your greatness.